Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because I ain't never been with a baddie. She calm, so I add her to the tally. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh, hell yeah, my thickies. Welcome to the show, everyone. Recording, as always, at Thickness Central. And we've reached episode four of season three. As always, you start with the city shout-outs, and this one gets a little international, y'all. So thanks to our new friends in Mumbai, India. What up to the ATL? Hi, Georgia. Thanks for joining us. Our new friends in Cairo, Egypt. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Somerset, New Jersey, just across the river from us. Thanks so much. Our friends in Knoxville, Tennessee have returned once again. Laka, Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for checking out the show. And finally, our friends over in Brussels, Belgium, always coming back. We appreciate all of you for listening to the show. So now we'll check out Mike's Thickometer. Oh, yeah, Mike's Thickometer. So thick this week, I call it Thick Cannon. This week clocks in at a 5 out of 10 on Mike's Thickometer. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's it's average thickness, but it's, it's you know, it's good. It's good. This week features 10 books. The stack has a Marvel advantage this week, so we'll get to work starting with those Marvel books, beginning with Amazing Spider-Man number 3. Spidey is captured and a whole lot of tombstone development. I gave this a 4 out of 5. Spidey spends the majority of this issue in cuffs. Paul comes to have a chat with Peter, but he's clearly not there. He pays his little loan shark dude to leave him alone for a few weeks. Meanwhile, in a tunnel, Spidey is chained and getting his ass whooped by Tombstone. As that's happening, Randy is getting ready to propose, but he gets proposed too, which he obviously accepts. Tombstone lays out his plan by telling part of his past. He says that he's going to massacre innocents, blame the Rose, and let the heroes worry about taking down the Rose, and he orders Peter shot. Pros are how badly Spidey is outmatched here. He's always at his best when he's on the rope, and it looks amazing too. Great job, John Romita Jr. The cons are how lost we still feel after this little time jump. Now we have Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number one. Jane struggles to resist power as a classic Asgardian foil develops their plans. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. A hooded figure is going to some of Asgard's enemies seeking their help. Meanwhile, Ross Solomon and Valkyrie are working together to stop an attack, which they do. Runa is on a date in Ohio while Jane picks up some groceries when all of a sudden Mjolnir crashes into her apartment. Jane calls out to Sif who cannot find Thor. She tasks Valkyrie with finding him and calls Beta Ray Bill to take his duties as Master of War as Asgard is attacked by a large group of enemies. Jane picks up Mjolnir, learning of Odin's imprisonment there. At the end, we learn that Amora, aka the Enchantress, is behind all of this and that Thor is trapped. Pros are the temptation for Jane and Amora. I love Enchantress and she's one of my favorite all-time villains. The temptation for Jane to wield Mjolnir is so high and it's been a focus lately, here as well as in Avengers. It has to lead somewhere. Cons are the direct lack of necessary scenes for Runa. She needs space or don't include her in the issue. Now we have a look at Legion of X number 2. The team deals with the body hopper and Legion is tempted. I gave this a 2 out of 5. 
Legion is tempted directly with the prospect of power and Blindfold reminds him that he rules himself. Meanwhile, a skin jumper is running around the team starting with Banshee and then Juggernaut. They find a way to escape and the team goes back to their HQ where Legion shows up. He hasn't decided anything from Mother Righteous just yet, but she curiously only wants his thanks. The team goes their separate ways in their HQ and then Banshee is tempted by Mother Righteous too. Pros are how I love a good body hopper story. It's always a fun, good time. Cons are that I don't really get where this book is going. I like the characters chosen for it, but I'm missing the point. If we don't get some developments and direction soon, this is likely a drop candidate, if it's not canceled first. Now we have a look at Marauders number three. Cassandra goes ham and an alliance is formed. I gave this a 3.25 out of five. Cassandra Nova, who is not captured with the rest of the team, lays waste to all who get in her way as the Marauders get taken into Shi'ar custody. The team continues to work in their mind space, making plans, and then they launch them, attempting to get free. Gladiator shows up, and Cassandra deals with him quickly. They go to the throne room, where an alliance is formed with Princess Sandra, who seems ready to help their cause to find the first mutants. After a quick trip, they land on the crag, where Sandra seems to be assassinated by the Kin Crimson. Pros are how I love how soap space opera this book feels, which is somehow right at home for the X-Men. It also looks like the Kin Crimson's influence runs deep. Cons are how unprepared the team feels after three issues. I'd figure with all the experience on this team, they wouldn't get caught slipping so much. Now we have a look at Savage Avengers number two. The team fights their way through the Highborn Age. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Still being doggedly pursued by Deathlock, the team proceeds slicing its way through the Highborn Age. As Deathlock crafts a new gun using the materials available to him, the Black Knight and Weapon H fight and run from some knights they've unexpectedly crashed in on. Weapon H's powers upgrade to keep them from falling to their deaths. Most of the team is thrown into a jail cell and gets reunited there just as the Deathlock shows up. Earlier in the issue, Cloak swallows a dinosaur in his cloak and he basically spits it back out at Deathlock as the team makes their escape. The issue ends with Conan being hunted by another force. Pros are how brutal this team gets to be. It's fun and insanely violent, which I greatly enjoy. Also, Cloak stashing a T-Rex was rad. Cons are the questions about how this fits in the continuity. Daredevil has some clear conflicts as well as a couple other characters who are currently accounted for. I wonder how that's going to get fixed. Last two books here, we take a look at Thor number 26, Banner of War, continues with a hulked out Thor. I gave this a 4 out of 5. Hulked out Thor beats the shit out of Iron Man's armor until Hulk steps in. Odin and Banner do their best to calm the situation down by getting Sif to bring Thor home, but Thor literally breaks the Bifrost. Odin grants Banner the power to use Mjolnir, leading to a planet-breaking explosion. Pros are that if you like giant action with two behemoths fighting, this is a great book for you. If you want something with story, maybe not. Glorious to look at, however. Cons are that it is a little light on exposition, but there are things like the Bifrost being destroyed that will definitely be felt later. Final book here on the Marvel side, Venom number 8. Eddie fights in space and hangs with Kang. It gave us a 3.5 out of 5. Hang out with your Kang out is what I say to this issue. Eddie is desperately trying to get back to his son from the end of time. He freaks out in Meridius's prison and time slips to a point in the past where he ends up on one of Kang's ships. He uses a symbiote designation Warstar to cut through the forces and squares up with Kang himself. Kang actually talks to Eddie like they know each other, claiming that they do. 
He uses a sword and pins Eddie to this timeline. Kang steps away and ends up briefly talking to Meridius. Pros, and possibly my favorite part of this, is Kang being Kang. He's such an amazing villain. Eddie's disorientation and time slip seems to be a planned thing by Meridius, which makes him even more formidable to me. Cons are how, despite having all of the knowledge of a king in black, Eddie is still kind of an idiot. Maybe he'll learn. All right, take a word from us and a word from some friends, and we'll be back with the DC books. Stick around. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag BecauseComics. Hey everybody, Sam here from the Twisted Cape. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check out the Twisted Cape's Tee Public page, which we have live right now for you to purchase any and all of your clothing needs with Twisted Cape logos on them. We got shirts, socks, maybe. Wow. We got other shirts with hoods on them, and they have longer sleeves. So warm. We got everything you could ever want with Twisted Cape logos on them. So, again, please be sure to check out the Twisted Cape's Tee Public page. Check out the link in the description and be sure to pick up your favorite stuff right now. Thanks, everybody. And now, back to Mike's Thick Stack. Yeah, we're back. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, checking out the other stuff that we have going on and that our friends have going on. Uh, whether you know it or not, all that stuff does support our shows. And we greatly appreciate it, especially, uh, at least we knew. I know that for, for a fact. Now we're going to move on to Batman number 124, the final issue for Josh Williamson here. Batman teaches Abyss a lesson. I give this a 3.75 out of 5. Batman finds out Abyss is back and goes after them. Abyss unmasks, and it's Detective Kaya. She explains that she's trying to solve the disappearance of her parents. Batman explains the choice to not kill Joe Chill upon his return to Gotham. The pair find the hitman who killed her parents, and she goes hard and dares Batman to stop her. She gets her parents' location out of him, and Batman explains that he didn't stop her because he knew that she needed to do it herself like he did. Then we get a backup story about how Ivy's powers have shifted after the events of Fear State. Actually well written and drawn, and spins into an actual title. Imagine. Imagine an actual title. Anyway, the pros are that uh, the Abyss thing gets resolved, and the backup story is actually a real strength here because it's likely the creative team that is doing something more with the actual character and the title. Cons are that the Batman Inc. thing seems to be a part of the story, but not a part of the story. Now we have a look at Dark Crisis number one. The DCU has to deal with the fallout of the death of the Justice League. I gave this a 4.25 out of 5. With the death of the Justice League, new heroes do their best to come to the forefront. John and Wally get together with Hal Jordan, and when they go their separate ways, John seems lost but quickly finds his way. He begins a mission to form a new Justice League. He goes to many heroes and anti-heroes before pitching to Black Adam with his league, including Supergirl, Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, Killer Frost, Frankenstein, Dr. Light, Kimio Hoshi, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Ted Kord, Aquaman, Jackson Hyde, Harley Quinn, 
and of course his best friend Robin Damian Wayne. Adam dismisses it saying that they both know who should be leading the team and it cuts to Nightwing. John is on his way to visit Nightwing at Titan's Tower but here and throughout the issue he's been stalked likely by Deathstroke. Shit goes down at Titan's Tower as Slade makes his move. He sends an explosive strapped to Chupacabra into the tower and shoots Beast Boy in the head, confusing because I thought he only existed as an illusion independently. Meanwhile, Pariah has the actual Justice League and reveals that he intends to use the hope people are putting forward as an energy source to destroy the multiverse. Pros are the length of this book and how universe spanning it feels. It's a thick issue and touches so many corners of the DCU. Cons are that it feels like we can quickly and easily deal with Slade, so he really feels like a distraction rather than the actual threat. Also, keeping the Justice League alive is weird to me. Kill them or don't. Final book here this week, short week, Dark Knights of Steel number 7 of 12, a Batman-centric story that ignores the larger war. I gave this a 4 out of 5. Bruce wakes up from a nightmare in time to see and talk to the Titans, who have been cared for by the Kents. Meanwhile, Ra's al Ghul gets his clearance to go after the Titans as Etragon with Talia. The Kents and Bruce go out to meet them and fight the League of Shades. The Kents kick some ass, but Bruce gets punched back into the cottage where the Titans finally convince him to let them join the battle. They turn back Ra's and his League, but then the war is discussed, setting up Bruce to head home to help with the coming war. Pros are how much I like the half-Kryptonian Bruce. He's as stubborn as ours, but now he has enough power to back it up. Cons are the fact that the entire war now rests on his shoulders, especially with Clark likely down for a bit. Here we go with weekly ranking, a quick look at how all the books shook out for this week. Starting with one, we have Dark Crisis number one, number two we have Thor number 26, number three we have Dark Knights of Steel number seven, number four we have Amazing Spider-Man number three. At the number five, we have Gene Foster and the Mighty Thor number one, rounding out the top half. On the bottom half, we have Batman number 124 at 6. At 7, we have Venom number 8. At 8, we have Marauders number 3. At 9, we have Savage Avengers number 2. And at number 10, we have Legion of X number 2. As we start to wrap up the show, hit us up on Twitter, either at SpiderMike29 or at the Twisted Cape, if you want to be on the show. Looking ahead to next week, I'm looking forward to reading from Marvel, Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty number 1. Fantastic Four, number 44, and Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number 2. From the DC side, I'm looking forward to reading Batgirls, number 7, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 12, and Wonder Woman, number 788. Follow us on all socials, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, all the Twisted Cape, no spaces, and a link is in the show notes. We do a weekly show on YouTube, and we stream on Twitch at least once a week. As for all the others, if you follow us, we'll follow you in return. If you really like us and our shows, please feel free to grab some of our merch from TeePublic, which has a link in the show notes. Finally, feel free to shoot us feedback on this show to thetwistedcape at gmail.com, and make sure you use the subject line MTS. Thanks for tuning in, so until next time, Madison, but I'm calling her Maddie. Like Mads, try to send me the Addy. Stay safe, wear a mask, please get that vaccine, and most importantly, stay twisted. Fix that.